SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Seven minutes after six o'clock, Hilton Tarrant with you on the Market Update. Good to be back this evening. Let's get straight into it with our business news with Kukulia Tumfupi. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. South Africa's construction companies should expect a relatively lenient fine from the company's, or rather the country's, competition commission when its investigation into collusion in the industry ends later this year. Trudy Makanya, Deputy Commissioner of the or Antitrust, says leniency will vary from company to company depending on the level of cooperation, projects won, and the respective values. The Competition Commission is currently investigating construction companies after a cartel-style collusion on the prices of contracts issued back as far as three years ago. And the Cyprus Chamber of Commerce has announced that capital controls will be imposed in the Mediterranean country, will limit foreign transactions and capital outflows, but not movements of money within the country itself. The central bank is readying restrictions on bank transactions when lenders reopen tomorrow to avert a flood of money out of Cyprus. Turning to the markets now, the JCO share index is closed in negative ter- territory, down to shy of 1% at 39,882 points. The rands at 9.29 to the US dollar, 14.01 to the pound, and 11.86 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,604 an ounce, a barrel of Brent crude oil at $109, and the platinum price at $1,574 an ounce. Thanks, Kugu. David Shapiro of Sassman back with us. David, market down 1% mm. today. It's uh, pretty ugly out there. It was, and it's all Cyprus. It's all Europe. It's got nothing to do with anything else other than that fears about where this is leading. In fact, when you, when you actually, uh, I was watching uh, U.S. markets for most of the afternoon from the time they opened, and they hardly even mentioned Europe. Um, it is. It, it has set them back a bit. You know, the S&P 500 was within one point of an all-time high last night. It hasn't made it. It came back, etc. But it seems to be as though we're almost creating our own worries in the market, wanting to sell it off. Uh, concerns that Cyprus is going to spread to the rest of the Europe. They're going to impose the same kind of controls. We've got a deadlock in Italy. We know about these things. Um, UK banks have to raise more capital. We've known about it. In fact, it's lower um, than we were expecting. UK in recession, we know about it. So I don't think there was any fresh news, and, uh, but it did, it did spark a, a bit of a sell-off. There's, there's one thing I want to point out in that, because we're coming to the quarter end. I'm doing uh, a couple mm. of uh, bit of work. In the first quarter, U.S. markets are up 10% in dollar terms. We are down 7% in dollar terms. So there's a 17% differential between the performance of the S&P and our all share index. So it shows you where the money's flowing and how things have shifted. Just looking at those capital controls in Cyprus, no official announcement. They're kind of dribbling out uh, there. Bizarre, David. All savings accounts must run until the expiry date. No mm-hmm. early withdrawals. Cashing of checks is suspended. You can deposit checks, I, I, though. Yeah. Uh, individuals will only be allowed to take 3,000 euros in cash on each trip out of the country. No doubt they'll uh, frisk you down for that. Cypriots will only be allowed to transfer up to 10,000 euros per quarter for fellow citizens who are studying abroad. All credit or debit card transactions abroad will be capped at 5,000 euros per person per month. Measures will apply to all accounts. Import payments will be allowed, but you have to provide documents to authorities. It it, it reminds us of South Africa uh, Mm. 10 or 20 years ago uh, with capital controls like this. How do you get around it? But it gives you some idea of the crisis in in, in Cyprus, but it's a very small area. It's unlikely that you're going to see this repeated uh, in Italy or Spain. 
So, um, you know, I, I think this is a special case, and to, to respond the way we have been, um, I think is a bit far-fetched. The euro down now, I think, at a four-month uh, low, 127-odd against the uh, you know, against the U.S. dollar. On our market, uh, not much action aside from the, the kind of uh, moves downwards yeah. uh, across most of the top mm-hmm. 40. Uh, one interesting bit of news, Net One, UEPS, uh, has won a, an appeal. Uh, Again. The, the, the battle mm-hmm. between them mm-hmm. and Absis All Pay over the uh, social grant contract. That's gone to the Supreme Court of Appeal. Full bench ruling in favor of Net One today. Stocks up 11% on the JSE and 16% on NASDAQ yeah, for climbing. I, mm. I, I Funny enough, I missed that, and it's, uh, it's, it's right a small camera. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that, but uh, um, obviously the way that the market's responding is positive news, and I'm glad they won that. Though. Goldfields today releasing mm. the names of uh, its BEE shareholders as part of the Invictus transaction. It, it says it's releasing the names again, and it said that in a, uh, a statement to the market. Uh, three years ago, Barry Sargent and Linda Kulu asked mm. Goldfields for the list of names. They were, they were not given that list mm. of names. So, I mean, I'm scratching my head and wondering where they released this previously. Uh, I'm sure you could go and get it at the at I the suppose you've got to now do your work and find out who's behind those. Mm. I don't know if there are any big names that have that have emerged, big names. But, but um, look, it's... Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's been a center of a lot of controversy, and um, I'm, you know what? What can we say? I've got, I've it's got done. no real. Yeah, it's done. You know how they can undo it. You know. Let's yeah. bring in Jeanette Clark now, a MoneyWeb journalist on the ground in Durban. Uh, Jeanette, you've been at the BRICS Five Summit. That uh, summit, obviously, concluding today. The big talk uh, throughout the summit ahead, as well as throughout the summit, has been about this potential BRICS development bank. Uh, there were numbers being bandied about how we would each contribute uh, $10 billion each. It turns out it's a lot more complicated than that. Uh, th- there's a deal, but there's a deal in principle, not a, a concrete deal. Yes, well, I mean, um, it was a much-anticipated announcement, and actually, you know, on the excitement um, level, people were expecting more details, but the announcement that the development bank will be established was indeed made this afternoon by South African President Jacob Zuma, but it might be years in the making before, you know, the bank is actually functional, because it doesn't seem as if an agreement has been reached on how the bank will be financed. You did mention the 10 billion U.S. dollars per member state. That wasn't officially mentioned so we don't know if that will actually be the case. Regulations have to be in place, um, you know, and also the principles on which it's going to be functioning. For instance, uh, Russian President Vladimir Putin um, in one of his statements made it clear that Russia is supporting such a development bank, but then it always has to function based solely on market principles. And that just gives me the idea that, you know, there might be some differences on exactly how it's supposed to function. Jeanette, uh, a number of bilateral agreements uh, signed between uh, member states and and this this list kind of goes on and on and on all sorts of things fisheries uh, cooperation on space exploration uh, the important ones though uh, a deal signed between Transnet and uh, Chinese Development Bank also a deal signed by Petro SA and the Dubai Trade Port which is home to King Shark International. 
Yes, well, I think it's actually, you know, a welcoming sign that there has been all these de- um, deals made. The message has been from the start that the summit will not just be another talk shop, but that con- concrete and tangible results will be seen. And we have seen that. As you mentioned, there's a deal that was signed between Transnet and China Development Bank. Once again, you know, figures thrown about of a um, loan of approximately 45 billion that could be given to Transnet um, to help with their 300 billion infrastructure upgrade program. I did speak to Brian Malefa yesterday and he told me that that 45 billion figure might be a little premature, but that the agreement was to cooperate, explore and identify collaboration opportunities. Um, lots of MOUs between the Industrial Development Corporation and its counterparts and some of the member states of BRICS. Uh, two-year framework agreement signed by Petros A and the China state-owned Sinopec. And this will result in a full feasibility study into the proposed project in Tombu crude oil refinery near Port Elizabeth. And just to show that the deals also went to provincial level, there is the Quebec Trade Port Corporation uh, that signed an MOU for a multi-billion rand what they call a mega industrial integrated township development with the India-based action group. Jeanette Clark, a MoneyWeb journalist on the ground there in Durban. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, Capitec results for the year to 31 December are today. Return on equity of 27%. Headline earnings per share at 35%. And they were at that mark at the half-year stage. A cost-to-income ratio of 38%, improving from 44% uh, the year before. Rian Stassen is chief executive of Capitec Bank. Rian, unsecured lending, the segment of the market is receiving a lot of attention, not only from the regulator, obviously, Scrutiny in the media, uh, scrutiny at government, scrutiny at government departments, scrutiny from the private sector. It's a, it's a challenging time to, to be in the sector. Yeah, I don't necessarily believe it's a challenging time to be in the sector. I, I, I look at it quite positively. I think it's an ex- exciting time uh, in the sector because we're going through a fairly significant structural change. Um, and, and few people have got that perspective and also of the importance of the structural change uh, to most South Africans going forward. Um, Because if you look at the credit market prior to the implementation of the new Credit Act in uh, 07, most South Africans had very limited access to credit. Um, And that was one of the main objectives of the Act. Uh, We believe it was a good piece of legislation. Uh, That resulted in loan sizes increasing, loan tenures lengthening, uh, and that was one of the main drivers of the growth that we've experienced from 2007 to 2012. Uh, with that, uh, also a fairly significant decrease in the cost of credit. Uh, I think the concern more is the high indebtedness levels mm. of South Africans. Uh, and that is a concern to us as well. Uh, we decline uh, close to 40% of all loan applications. And that's a good indication to what extent uh, South Africans are indebted. Um, and that, I believe, uh, there won't be a, a short-term solution for it. Although uh, this concern has uh, resulted in, in some serious initiatives uh, to try and address that situation. Uh, we're looking at the development of uh, consumer education programs. Uh, we're looking at some of the definitions within the Act, like... Uh, uh, a better framework for affordability assessment, uh, definitely uh, a higher level of 
compliance testing uh, to see to what extent credit providers abide by the Act. Uh, so overall, I would I would prefer to look at it from a pos- positive perspective uh, and ensure that we build a credit industry going forward that's sustainable. Rian, in today's numbers, you've quantified the cost of bad debts, and I need to congratulate whoever put the announcement together because for the first time there's an announcement from a bank, and it has been a slight departure from how you've reported in the past, an announcement that explains things in, in very simple English uh, to the JSE Stock Exchange News Service. You've quantified the cost of bad debt to Capitec Bank. That's sitting at 2.65 billion rand. Uh, in the in last year, and you've also compared that to the other costs in the business, the the cost of employing your staff, the cost of actually running the bank, the taxes you pay. Obviously, that number dwarfs uh, the rest of of the costs within the business. But how does that how, has that number improved over time? Uh, the the bad debts expressed uh, on the size of the book have remained fairly constant over the last three years. Uh, so we are fairly comfortable with. Uh, the management of our risk uh, within our appetite. Um, I think the scary part is really that uh, people not repaying us are the biggest beneficiaries of what we do in the bank. Uh, Now, that's part of banking. Uh, It is just uh, a weird perspective. Just looking at the bank operationally, 4.7 million active clients. You added around about a million uh, through last year, 500,000 in each half, roughly speaking. These are people not only borrowing money, but also transacting and saving with Capitec. That's correct. I think uh, quite important to us, uh, primary banking clients, those are people that deposit their salaries with Capitec, grown by 45% to 1.8 million. Um, so we are, are quite satisfied with the growth to the extent uh, that there's a, a momentum gaining uh, of people that's got confidence in the brand, uh, and secondly, that find our simplified low-cost offer very attractive. Rian, your customers are buying airtime and electricity on mobile phones at a rate of knots, uh, 673,000 uh, to 6 million uh, transactions. Uh, that shift to mobile, I guess, is just incredible. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with that. Uh, the initial uptake, we've, we've registered just over 3 million customers uh, for mobile banking, uh, is really, as you, as you pointed out, uh, driven to uh, the purchase of, of, of airtime electricity balance inquiries. But I've got no doubt that going forward, uh, we will see people using cell. Uh, to do full banking, transfer of funds, payment of, of beneficiaries and so forth. Might we see some movement there in, in the year ahead? Uh, definitely. We will be launching uh, a new sale application uh, in the early part of the uh, second half of the year. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm quite excited about the way we structured that application to the extent uh, that it's very easy to use uh, with full security. Rian, as far as regulatory issues are concerned, you have received a notice from the National Credit Regulator alleging certain contraventions. Uh, take us through that very briefly. Um, we received a notice uh, with regards to a contravention on one of our, our one-month lending products. Uh, where it stated that uh, it's illegal for us to charge uh, the loan origination fee. Uh, we disagree with that. Uh, we went back to the regulator with motivation uh, why we believe uh, we're not outside the ambit of the, of the Act, uh, and we're still awaiting a response from them. Uh, we also obviously got legal counsel to 
to support our, our view. Uh, so I hope that we can resolve uh, this outstanding issue uh, uh, in, in, in the near future. Uh, we just felt it prudent to, uh, to communicate uh, that outstanding issue with the market as this was over the year end. Just to close off with your, your outlook for the year ahead, a number of your peers in the sector are, are looking out there at the economy in South Africa and scratching their heads. It looks very tough, a very tough environment to be doing business, a uh, very tough growth environment. Is that the, the same kind of outlook you, you're seeing? We, uh, we agree with that outlook. We think the economy is still uh, going to be very difficult in the year to come, uh, but that does create opportunities for us. Rian Stassen is the Chief Executive of Capitec Bank. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. South Africa's fifth largest construction group, Basil Reed, out with results for 2012 today. Marius Haynes, Chief Executive, joins us in studio. Marius, your revenue from continuing operations up slightly at 5.5 billion rand. A 375 million rand turnaround, though, as far as profits concerned. You went from a 205 million rand operating profit in 2011 to a 171 million rand operating loss uh, in 2012. Uh, the numbers, uh, a story of impairments, one-offs, write-offs uh, all over the show. You, you had to take the pain. Correct. Um, and we thought that uh, this year is the year that we have to do it in, clean up uh, the balance sheet, clean up the books, and uh, start afresh. Um, the turnover has actually been $6.8 billion. The reason was we had to take out the $1.3 billion mm-hmm. of what we sold out, TWP, um, and yes, uh, 200 million has been once off write offs, and, uh, and that has been due to us being accumulating 75 million penalty for the Competition Commission as a learned guess. Um, and then we had to write off another 60 million, 60.5 million for our BEE deal as uh, IFRS uh, tax, and it goes straight off your headline earnings. We also thought it prudent uh, to take the ride down on our properties, uh, the Gulf Estate. And then there was uh, two ride downs. One is the 25 million we took as an impairment on the free state for settling with them. And then the last one was the uh, uh, 27 million loss that we had to take in our books because of we lost our arbitration. Just as far as that uh, sale of TWP uh, is concerned, you've sold that in the period to Wally Parsons, 877 million rand, well-known deal, uh, well-telegraphed and well-communicated to the market. The proceeds of that is a special dividend coming to shareholders, but you're also using that uh, a portion of that to pay down some rather expensive debt. Correct. You know, uh, we've been in a very acquisitive uh, phase over the last five years, and uh, we, first of all, we felt it prudent that some uh, reward has to go to shareholders because they've been very patient with us. And so at one rand seventy-five, uh, it's a it's a 15% return to shareholders. Um, and I'm very pleased to be able to announce that uh, to the shareholders. I think they deserve it for for sticking with us. And then, uh, yeah, the the deal itself. Um, we uh, incurred some bonds, corporate bonds, that we took out over the last uh, couple of years, and we would like to now get rid of those bonds. So as they mature, uh, the first uh, two is in June, and the last one in December, and then we'll pay them off uh, in this period. And then it'll still leave us with enough cash that we will use for acquisitive growth and to make sure that, you know, when we do get tight, when we have non-payments again from governments and clients that, you know, we'll be able to survive.
Just as far as construction is concerned, that's the core of the business uh, today. Uh, there are two losses, sizable losses, booked on two of your road construction contracts, one in Botswana, the other on a road which I used to travel once a week uh, out to Benoni, the N12, uh, the Tom Jones portion that uh, is still under development. That's behind schedule. Is that any closer to completion? Yes, we've actually this week we completed all the lanes now, fully uh, asphalted. Reason why uh, that's one of the reasons for the losses. Uh, we had a nine-month delay because of a lack of bitumen supply, uh, the product that goes into the asphalt, and uh, that's the reason for us now. Um, when we incurred that, you know, obviously the client gave us extension of time, but it doesn't give you money because it was a force majeure. Now your plant is standing, your equipment is standing, your people are standing, um, and unfortunately you can't recover that. So it's it's really hurt us badly. For that reason, we have now busy importing a bitumen reactor from overseas. It should be in the country around about June, July, and we believe then we can alleviate the problem of that we've incurred on that one project. Just looking forward, uh, your order book is slightly lower, but uh, that business coming in at better margins. The mining business, solid, strong pipeline there, engineering, promising work there. As far as construction is concerned, specifically here in South Africa, it's uh, rather quiet out there. Construction uh, order book still seven and a half billion, um, and uh, we have some very good projects uh, still in that order book that will allow us to ride out this period where we're waiting for the rollout. Um, it's purely now we have to focus on our systems and our uh, turnaround times on report back to identify the you know if there should be any loss making projects to identify them more quicker. Uh, for um, us to, to act a lot quicker. We've also beefed up our commercial department and uh, on the contractual issues and uh, spent quite a bit of effort and money on, on systems at the moment. Mario Sainz is Chief Executive of Basil Reed. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Almost out of here, David. Uh, your thoughts on Capitec and Basil Reed very quickly? I like Capitec very much. And, uh, you know, if you read their report, it gives you a very clear idea of where they're going. The market loved it. They were up uh, almost six rand today. So they've recovered. They were down at 180. Uh, Basil Reed, I just think, identifies what's happening. You know, if, if you read that report as well, just sums up what's happening in construction that most of the Not new projects are coming from outside. Still no evidence of of government spend and, and uh, you know, still tough time. The, the outlook statement's fairly positive. Mm. I mean, it's, it's fairly upbeat. I think uh, uh, saying that there are signs emerging, that uh, things are proving, but I think the market's just going to adopt a wait-and-see attitude. Well, it was a day where the JSE ended down almost 1%, 39,882 points on the all share. We saw resources, industrials, financials all down on the day. A little bit of uh, uh, positive uh, Moves for gold shares up very slightly on the day. U.S. markets lower this afternoon. Uh, the Dow is down a quarter of 1%. S&P 500 also down by the same number. Rand is at 9.28 against the U.S. dollar. Still at those elevated levels. Gold $1,605 an ounce. Well, this has been the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb.